All right, and we are back with this mega World Cup preview to talk about Team USA, the men's team, because we're great patriots here with Brett Gosnell. Brett, let's just get right into it. What is going on with U.S. soccer? Normally, it brings me great disappointment. How do we get to this point today? Okay, so... Historically, the U.S. has been under-talented, but they play extremely hard. They f- run hard, play fast, run fast, play run fast, play hard. That's the motto. And that's historically what we've been. Tough to play against in these tournaments. Uh, so in the 2010 World Cup, we – Won the group stage, got knocked out in the round of 16. Um, 2014, uh, same thing. 2018, and I should say that's acceptable for us, like getting out of the group, getting to watch one knockout round game. That's that's an acceptable year. If we win one game, that's in the knockout stage, just have a party, you know, for us. So <clears throat> last World Cup tragedy we did not even qualify and i want to tell you we play in the easiest division to qualify in Concacaf. we're in three teams get to go through four really if you count the team that gets to has to go play in a play-in game but the only other good teams are mexico and us really in costa rica this year canada somehow was good also but we play in an extremely easy qualifying division. Last cycle, we somehow failed to qualify. Basically, I, this is my take on why that happened. We were just too soft. As low of quality as the teams that are in our division are that we have to qualify against, it's difficult in that you're going to El Salvador, you're going to Honduras, places where the, the quality of the field is very poor, the teams are rugged, they kick you, foul you all night. Um, and we just couldn't cope with it. Um, we are now, this World Cup and the last World Cup, we are now entering a soccer where we have the most talented players that we've ever had by far. And... We no longer have to be the run fast, play hard team. We can actually win with talent now. We are every one of our players basically plays in a big European league. We've never had this before. We've never had anything close to this before. Unfortunately, it seems like we've lost that toughness edge. We gained the talent, but we lost our our toughness and our grit. So that's I would say why we didn't qualify the last World Cup, just a lack of spine. Fortunately, we got rid of some of the players that I hated the most from that team. Michael Bradley is the, is the name that I'm willing to say if he's listening and I hate you. Um, <laughs> I, I agree. I think of him and Wando. Those are the two guys. Yeah. Wando is just bad. Like, I don't think he's weak or weak-willed or anything. He's just not good. He's not good at soccer. I can, accept, you know, I can accept when he fails. But Michael Bradley was supposed to be good, and he was just a damn wet blanket. But um, so – this world cup thank god we qualified 
were even more talented than last cycle. I mean, we have, I used to dream of having a team this talented. Like I remember 10 years ago, we would have one player that would sign with a premier league team, like Clint Dempsey played with Fulham, for instance. And it'd be so exciting. We got one guy playing in England. It was so exciting. Now everybody, the whole damn team, just about it is playing big time European soccer. And, you know, unfortunately I don't necessarily want to say it's a toughness issue, but we don't look as good just with the results, just on the field. We don't look quite as good as we should given the talent level. Um, I would attribute it to poor coaching and, you know, tactical mismanagement and all that stuff. But the fact of the matter is we are not quite playing up to our talent level. So, but thankfully we did qualify. Um, so we're here. And I would say, if you want to look at this time versus the last time that we were at the world world cup, you know, we, we had a good run that time. We ran into a Belgium team that just out-talented us. And, you know, that game, given our toughness, given our grit, we and given Tim Howard just being a hero, um, we were able to take Belgium to extra time, but we ended up losing. This time, we have more talent. I don't think any team in Europe can do us like Belgium did that time. I think we've got enough talent just to, to stick with people on a talent-for-talent talent basis. But – like I said, we're not playing. We're not in the best of form coming into this tournament. We we lost two nil to to Japan in a friendly. We lost or drew. I did it again. We drew nil nil to Saudi Arabia in a friendly. Um, so we're not playing our best soccer. And a lot of times in qualifying, you know, we'd run into teams that we were more talented than, and we couldn't get a result. So despite all the talent, there's some big question marks. So do you think that that? that kind of underachieving leading up to it is related more to the the talent aspect, just not playing up to their, their level or to the toughness or a combination of both. Yeah. So when we, when we failed to qualify for that last world cup, Alexi Lawless uh, and Taylor Twelman, both former players, because they're, they both famously did these rants. I mean, that's, that's kind of become ubiquitous now. Um, the, the the rants those two went on but and they were from that era of we're less talented than you but we're going to punch you in the mouth we're going to play harder than you so and i'm bringing that up alexi lawless referred to the players as tattooed millionaires um which i loved and that that was saying you've got all the expensive tattoos you've got the you know the soccer haircuts you look all you know suave and shit playing in europe but really you know you don't have any backbone. You know, you can't go and beat these less talented teams. I know it was raining. I know the field was terrible in Trinidad and Tobago or wherever. Like, I know it was hard, but, like, don't give me that excuse, you know. So, since we were able to qualify this time, you know, I don't I don't necessarily want to question, like, the toughness of the players or anything like that, but something is missing. I, I tend to – I tend to think that it's the coach. I, I, I think that a, a really good, a really good way somebody described this was uh, after in one of these games in Central America where we should have been crushing the team, but we just were we drew with them. Uh, 
our coach just made just weird. He was playing people out of position. He was playing a formation we had never played before. It was just overthinking it. And somebody said, uh, Greg Berhalter is playing chess. Unfortunately, this is a checkers tournament. And that's, that's what international football really is a checkers tournament because you don't get to play with your teammates very much. You know, it's your, most of your life is spent with your club team, right? It's only these two week periods, a few times a year that you get together with your national team and play some friendlies or play in a tournament. So you don't have time to learn this intricate system, you know, and, and play with your teammates and fit together and learn how each other plays perfectly. You you need to just play the most simple brand of soccer that you can play. And I worry that our coach just doesn't have that within him to be hands off and just let the talent roll, you know? So that's interesting that they, they do that. Cause I, I watched the redeemed team documentary and that was a big thing. How, you know, we were so talented in men's basketball. We could just show up and be there two or three weeks and go kick everybody's ass. And then the rest of the world caught up to us. And then it started to be like, okay, you have to put an actual commitment mm-hmm. to this. And so it's it's weird that in men's soccer, they don't do the time commitment, but also we don't have the most talented players in the world either. So how do you yeah, figure it out? Even with the talent that we, uh, I'm bragging about the talent we have, that we don't have anything like the, these dream teams you're yeah. talking about. You know, I'm comparing us to the previous U.S. teams. But, but yeah, I mean, but that everything I described with the lack of time, that's just the case with every team in the world, you know, you no national team really has the time to commit their players to rigorous practices and learning intricate systems. You know, you've got to have a system that's simple and works and we show up and we play and then we go back to our club teams. And I think our, our coaches, he's known for just running intricate shit and being tricky and, playing people arguably out of position and you know like i say he's a chess player and we need a checkers coach well we've evaluated him but let's move on to the players um let's go by position group start off with the attacking players who i think if i were to play soccer this is where i'd want to be yeah what are we looking at here all right so we have very good attacking players there's no question about it. Uh, Christian Pulisic is going to be the best of those. He's the best known. Um, he plays at Chelsea. He He's certainly good enough to start there, in my opinion. But, you know, it just with these big clubs, there's so many talented players that you can kind of get lost in the shuffle. The fact that he doesn't start week in and week out does not concern me a bit. I've seen the guy. I know he's a legitimate world-class player. So he's our best player in the attack. Um, and there's, you know, there's several, several other good players around him, but we don't score a lot of goals. Um, you know, it's just for whatever reason, the coaching or whatever it may be, all the talent that we have, it does not produce very many goals. And it's very frustrating. Uh, one specific problem I would point to, whereas Polisic is extremely good on one wing and the other wing, <clears throat> I would argue it should be Tim Weah, uh, who should be the starter over there. Um, probably our fastest player. He's that guy that can really just get behind the defense. Um, 
that you can play a long ball to and nothing else is working. Um, <clears throat> and then there, we've got other options on the wing too. So we're, we're good on the wings, but we don't have a striker. Like to save my life right now, I couldn't tell you who's going to start at striker that first game. Uh, and that's, you know, that's a problem. And maybe, maybe our goal scoring issues just come down to that. Um, Josh Sargent is who I would say is our best player at striker. Um, he's playing for Norwich in England, which is a smaller team, but he's still the Premier League and he's still scoring goals. So that's impressive. And uh, <clears throat> but that being said, if I had to guess, I would say he's going to. And this this is we're we're going to get into a specific example of why I don't like the coach here. If I had to guess, I'm say I say he's going to start Jesus Ferreira, who. <clears throat> Is he plays in the MLS, which God bless it. I went to a million MLS games this year, but it ain't the best league. And Jesus Ferreira, he just can't score goals in the in you know in the, these big games. Um, our coach tends, and this is an example of him overthinking. He likes a striker that can receive passes and then make a pass. When why don't we just put the guy that can score goals? You know, like it's just it's it's too simple. You know, just put the damn man at striker that can strike the ball. But again, he's overthinking it. He's putting the less talented player in there just because he likes the style that he plays, but the guy doesn't score goals. So, so yeah, I, I think that's our big weakness in the attack, even though we've got a lot of players to, you know, look forward to watching. Who, who is the player that we should be watching out of that group? Is it, I mean, it's got to be Pulisic. Um, <clears throat> but I, I will say uh, Giovanni Reina, um, he's listed as a forward. I guess he'd probably play winger when he gets to play. He's younger than Pulisic. I think he may already be as good as Pulisic. He's injured a lot. His, he's been injured a ton this year, so his fitness ain't the best. So there's no – I highly doubt he would get to start any games. But keep an eye on him when he comes in as a substitute because he is just a, a game breaker. I mean, he's the, he had a, uh, he had a play against uh, Mexico this year. He dribbled through the whole team. He picked the ball up like in his own goal box and dribbled it all the way down the field, just making players fall down. I mean, it was like Harlem Globetrotters type shit, just people <laughs> falling left and right. And he's, I mean, he's that good. He's just, he's not fit enough, I think to start, but, he'll definitely come in as a sub and be very entertaining. So I, I would say keep an eye out for him. Okay. And let's go to the midfielders. How are we looking there? So this is the strength of our team without any doubt. Um, and this is the easiest group to say who's definitely going to start. There's no question to me. It's going to be Tyler Adams, Eunice Musa, and Weston McKinney. And I, talk, I talked about how poorly we played in these friendlies leading up to the World Cup. Eunice Musa was out and you don't want to say, Oh, one guy was out. That's our excuse for looking like shit, but he is that good to where it is reasonable to say that. So any, any group of midfield three, you've kind of, you've got one guy that's a defensive midfielder that sits back deep is uh, responsible, breaks up the other team's passes stays in position and just, you know, plays defensively. You've got another guy who they call him the number eight. He 
he does a little of both. He's got defensive duties, but he also can get forward. He possesses the ball, makes good passes, kind of keeps things going, controls the tempo of the game. And then you've got an attacking midfielder, the number 10, that they're trying to score also and try to make passes, make good assists. Um, <clears throat> Tyler Adams is our defensive midfielder, and he's excellent. He, Like we talked about, he – he works really hard. He covers a ton of ground to try to win the ball, uh, you know, take the ball from the other team, make a pass, get it back to us. He's an excellent, excellent defensive midfielder. I love him. Um, Eunice Moose is probably the guy you would say is the number eight. He, uh, He's the guy you want in possession to transition from defense to offense. He's always going to make a good pass. If he needs to dribble by somebody, he can. Just a very good, well-rounded center midfielder. And Weston McKinney, He's not a classic attacking midfielder number 10, um, but he can he can get in the box and score. He used to play as a striker um, for his uh, German team, uh, Schalke, when he played in Germany. Uh, so he can get in the box, mix things up. He can play good on offense, and he can win the ball as a midfielder too. So I, I love our midfield. I think we've got everything you need to be a good midfield, and it's three really, really good players playing for big clubs. Okay, well, that's good. That sounds promising, at least. Um, how about the defense? What are we looking at? All right. <clears throat> so we'll start with the good news. Um, so we play a back four, and that is two. Uh, they call them fullbacks. That's the outside defenders. And then you've got two center defenders. They're called center backs. Center backs are always going to play defense. They're going to stay home. They're always playing defensively. Your fullbacks, their main responsibility is defense. They're trying to stop the other team's wingers. But they'll get forward and play as wingers themselves too. So they kind of – they can do both things. We have extremely good fullbacks. Um, Serginio Dest is the right back. He plays for Barcelona. Uh, I don't have to tell you that's that's impressive as shit for an American to be playing there. I, I'm sorry, he he, uh, he did play for Barcelona. He plays for AC Milan now, so he just went to a, the best Italian team. So uh, might not be the best defensive guy, but he is extremely good getting forward, dribbling, passing, putting in crosses. Extremely talented player. Love him. Left back, we've got Jedi Robinson. Um, plays for Fulham in England, so. Lower team, but still in the Premier League. He he may be even better than Dest, to be honest, because he's not only is he extremely good going forward, uh, fast, uh, putting in crosses, he's very good defensively too. So I love our fullbacks. And then behind them, even if one of them get hurt, we're still good. We've got DeAndre Yedlin, who was a superstar in the last World Cup. Um, I'm exaggerating, <laughs> but he was good in the last World Cup. And... Um, Joe Scally, who's a very good fullback in Germany. So we are loaded at the fullback position. So that's good. Center back is a whole other story. Um, most likely the center back pairing that we're going to run out there is Walker Zimmerman and Aaron Long. And both of them play in MLS. So that's kind of a strike. Uh a lot of player, a lot of people would get mad at me for shitting on MLS like that. But you know, you've got European players available to you, and still you're going to run out two MLS guys. That's questionable. But 
uh, Walker Zimmerman is very, very good. He uh, physically not the best necessarily, but he is very smart. He's good at moving up and being aggressive when he needs to, to like cut out a pass and stop a play from stop the offense before it gets started. Essentially. He's very good at that. Aaron long, however, is just not good. Um, I don't know why he's even on the team. He's just, he makes a ton of mistakes defensively. He's out of position a lot. So we've got players available to us. like John Anthony Brooks who played in the last world cup that we were at and did very, very good plays in Germany. Somehow he doesn't even make the roster. It's just shocking. Um, Tim Ream, who is on the roster plays at Fulham, like, uh, Anthony Robinson, uh, Jedi Robinson, uh, he is, he's like 33 or 34 years old, so he's old, can't really move a lot, but rock-solid veteran defender, battle-tested. That's who I would start if I had to, and hopefully that is who we see start alongside Walker Zimmerman. That would be an okay center-back pairing if that's what we go with. But even then, you know, like I say, Tim Ream, not the most fleet of foot, so you have liabilities there, but at least you can trust he's going to be in the right position. So, yeah. Uh, so center back I, I, a little got bit a, I, I got a question. Uh, speaking of that, you mentioned like this guy's terrible and all that. What goes uh-huh. into picking the roster? So what I think probably should be the main thing and what probably is, is you just look at how they're doing for their club team. Uh so you just, you know, whatever club team they're at in the world, you just keep up with them and see how they're doing for them. That's a good judge of how good they are. Now, there's there's plenty, plenty of examples of guys that, through not just the U.S., throughout the world, that for whatever reason don't catch on at their club or they get benched, and but they're still very good for their national team. And there's opposite, you know, there's opposite cases too. There's guys that are extremely good for their club teams and, they just don't fit with their national team. So, you know, it's a different team, you know, that, that dynamic can happen, but you know, that's what you're first and foremost going to look at just how good they are with their club team. Uh, and that, you know, they have camps where they invite tons of players in and then they judge them with the actual national team. So, you know, the, a lot of we've had a lot of time to make these decisions. We've played a lot of soccer over the last hell, I guess, eight years since we've been to a World Cup. We've played in a lot of tournaments. So we've we've got to see how players not only play with their club team, but how they play on the national team. And there's some tournaments you value less than others, where so you invite like all players that are on the fence to play in those tournaments and like the Pulisic just don't even come to this one, just rest, you know. So there's ample opportunity to find out who the best players are for sure. Okay. So those are the defenders, but uh goalkeeper, which I yeah. played when I played my one season, could they have used me or are, are, are we all, all set there? So <clears throat> we are taking a step back here, but not because the players currently here are bad. Uh, Tim Howard was just absolutely legendary, legendary as a keeper. Um, as long as I live, I will never forget that performance against Belgium where they they were so much better than us. I mean, they were getting wide open shots on goal all game, and he was just 
a wall. Like, it, it was, was crazy. insane. Like, I still remember that. Yeah. So <clears throat> we don't have him anymore. And for a while, it looked like his heir apparent was going to be Zach Steffen. Um, very good MLS keeper, big physical guy. Makes the move to Manchester City, you know, one of the biggest clubs in the world. And he just that that's kind of a that's something interesting to get into a little bit. These players, when the big if they're in MLS or they're at a smaller European club, they're gonna get to play more because they're obviously bigger fish, smaller pond. And that gives you a better chance to play for the national team, right? Because we're the coaches are getting to see you play. When the when you play good enough, the big clubs come knocking, of course. Manchester City's, Barcelona's, all that. You have to go because they're going to double or triple the amount of money you're making. But what happened to Pulisic can happen. You just you just have to ride the bench because there's so many other good players. The coach may not. Uh, they switch coaches so much. So the coach that brought you in may not even be there. The next guy don't like you as much. It's a risk. And with somebody like Pulisic, he still gets to play a good bit because he can sub on. So he's he's usually coming into these games and substitute. Keeper, one goalkeeper is it, right? You never are going to sub your keeper. So Zach Steffen makes the move to Manchester City. He's good, but he ain't as good as Ederson, the guy they got, because they can spend $100 million on a keeper. Um, so he just, he never gets to play. He never gets to play anymore. And he's, he's not, he didn't even make the roster. Um, Matt Turner, the best keeper in MLS, certainly the best American keeper in MLS. Arsenal comes knocking. He has to go to Arsenal and he's, he's at Arsenal not getting to play a lot. Now, fortunately he made this move a little bit later. He's going to be our keeper. He's still in favor. Um, so he's going to be our starting keeper and, He's good. I mean, he's not Tim Howard good, and he's he's very young for a keeper. Um, you know, we talked about how players, uh, your prime is like 25 or something. Keeper, it's more like your prime is early 30s, you know, because uh, you don't run out of gas. You know, you can play to your 40. So they usually reach their prime a little bit later. He's very, very young for a keeper, but he's tall, lanky guy. Um, he's, he's very good. I mean, I, I'm not worried at all about Matt Turner being between the sticks there. Okay, so overall, how are we looking for this World Cup? Is there anything so, that we can be, like, happy about? Do we have a chance, or are we just, like, happy to be there? Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean we're after, happy to after be After not there. making it last time. <laughs> yeah, after, yeah, of course. I've, I'm thrilled to just get to watch us play in a World Cup. Um, you know, we're not going to win the whole thing. That's just not going to happen. So to make a basketball reference, you know, like when you're a 12 seed or something, you just want to win a couple games, right? Yep. That's like to make the sweet 16 or something is huge. Yep. It's kind of the same thing here. It would be a big, big disappointment not to advance past the group stage. But then once we do that, it's kind of everything's icing on the cake at that point. Um, any knockout game we win is, I would just be ecstatic. Um so that that's kind of the expect that's the expectation you got to go into this with, you know. Um, so I I expect us to probably get out of the group stage. It ain't going to be easy at all. 
and then if we win one knockout round game, I'm I'm thrilled. So if that happens, we do win the one knockout round game. What's the reason behind that? How do we do it? If that happens and if we go any further than that, there's two possible explanations, really. One, the talent finally started playing how they're capable of playing. Um, the talent is there to go even deeper than what I'm talking about. We just haven't seen them play that well. Um, but just purely looking at the names on the team sheet, this is a very good soccer team. Um, again, not anything close to winning the World Cup good, but making the quarterfinals good, absolutely. So that's one option. The other thing to look at, <clears throat> if you go back a couple years – and you look at some of the – so in World Cup qualifying and in, in a lot of the tournaments we play in our part of the world, we run into Mexico a lot. They're very good. We have to go play in Mexico. There's been several times over the last few years that we've, in a big tournament game or qualifying game, we've had to go to Mexico. And that's – in our part of the world, that's the toughest thing that there is. That's, you know, that's as hard as it gets. We've been able to go into that environment against that good team and squeak out like one nil victories. We've done that a, a few times. They're in that environment. They're probably the, they're the better team, you know, and they dominate the games. They should get more shots on goal. They keep the ball more, but we're able to defend rock solid, get a goal, scrape one out when we can. And against the teams we're going to run into in the knockout rounds, that's what's going to have to happen, right? We're not going to be as talented. We're going to be, just in a tough environment. We're not going to possess the ball the whole game. We're going to have fewer shots on goal. But we have shown that ability. For all of our coaches' shortcomings, I will say, in that setting, he is able to squeak out these little miracle one-nil games every now and then. So that that's some reason for optimism there. Okay, now let's say we show up and we we don't advance out of the group stage. What will be the reason for that? Well, the general reason would be that we just didn't play up to our talent level, um, which, look, nobody wants to hear this. I don't want to hear myself say it, but we lost 2-0 to Japan and looked bad, bad doing it. And then nil-nil uh, draw to Saudi Arabia. A team that does those two things, like, <laughs> can you say they're that good of a team? You know, so – that's just simply how we play our current form. That would be the reason that we bomb out. Um, how concerned are you about that happening? Uh, yeah, I'm really, I'm definitely concerned. Um, and the, to give a more specific reason that things can go bad for us, we got to play whales out of the gate. Talent wise, we're definitely better than whales, but if we don't play up to that talent level, um, you know, they've got solid players. They're going to make it a dogfight. And in an even dogfight kind of game, they've got Gareth Bale sitting there, like we talked about in the last thing. We ain't got anybody like Gareth Bale, even if he is 33 years old. That dude can pop up and get a hat trick himself, you know. And then we're going to run into Harry Kane the next game. I think historically we play England well, so that'll be a – I think we can get them into a dogfight. <clears throat> 
since 1776. Exactly. So, but then they're going to have Harry Kane. He can pop up with a goal or two and beat you. And then, you know, if you lose those two games, you're done, even if we beat Iran. So it's tough. It's going to be a tough group. Absolutely. So uh, let's talk a little bit about your prediction. You gave it to us in the last one, but maybe someone's stupid and didn't watch that one too. So what are you thinking we're going to do? I I have to think that we advance out of the groups. We should beat Wales. It ain't going to be easy at all, but we should beat Wales. Or at very minimum, get a draw. We should be able to beat Iran. I hope we've already clinched our spot through before it gets down to that third game. But e- England sitting in the middle there. They'll be the favorite, but... I think we can get a point off of them. I think we can target a draw, play defensively, frustrate them, and pull out a point in that game. So we've got a good path here to get through the group stage. And then, fortunately, the group A, the group we paired up with, if I had to pick the weakest group in the whole tournament, it's probably them. So – if we get through, we're not going to play some dominant team, no matter who, no matter who it is. You know, we don't have anybody to really be scared of. If we can somehow win the group, we'll get Ecuador, Senegal, or Qatar most likely. We we might even be favored, like on the betting lines against those teams. Uh, and then, at worst case scenario, we're going to have to play Netherlands. You know, if, if most likely we finish second in our group, Netherlands wins their group. We play Netherlands. They'll be favored, but they're not the Netherlands teams of old. They're not going to go out there and score three goals against us. Um, they're going to be tough to score against, but, hell, everybody's tough for us to score against the way we're playing. So we can get into a dogfight with them, and, you know, that'll be, a, that'll be a close game. That's a winnable game. After that, you're looking at Argentina, and that's probably where the, the story ends. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, so I'm – I can say we we should be happy with, and just me being optimistic, I will say that we are going to advance the group, win one knockout game, and then head home happy. That would be, I mean, considering we didn't make it last time, that would be huge. Um, I don't know if you have an answer for this. This is kind of just something I thought of, but for the future, how are you feeling about our soccer team? extremely optimistic uh like i said this is the most talented team we've ever had by miles and all of them are young uh i mean Polisic is what's he 23 uh i mean everybody is young geo reina is like what 19 or 20 uh the midfield's fairly young um they'll everybody will be around for that world cup that we're getting to host in 2026 so you know, we're going to – all that we got young talent, we're going to get to host the next. Like, what else could you ask for? I mean, th- this is a great, great time for U.S. soccer. And by that time, we'll have a new coach, surely to God. So – You would hope so. You would think – we talked about it in the in the preview. I wish we treated our coaches a little bit like uh, Mexico treats theirs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jesse Marsh, uh, Leeds guy, we did the, uh, the oh, live yeah. stream Leeds uh, – that's who I'm praying as our coach. Leeds might be about to fire him too, so he might have might be available. Um, same time. He he just 
he's American, obviously. And then he, he plays a style that I think would be perfect for us. You know, we talked about the run fast, play hard motto. That's his whole coaching style. You know, he tries to press you, win the ball off of you and just play harder than you. And he already has two U.S. guys on his team at Leeds. I mean, I think he'd be a perfect fit. So that's what I would love to see for 2026. Well, hopefully we aren't uh, like old Shane Beamer when it comes to replacing people who need to be replaced. Yes. All right. Did we forget anything? I don't, I don't, I don't think, think we did. So, I, think I think this is the most comprehensive, entertaining preview in the history of the world, uh, especially with the journalists in, in Cutter getting snatched up off the street. So we got to do, we got to talk for this whole like two hours here and not one person interrupted us and, told, no. and smashed our camera. Now I did have some, some dog issues here and there, <laughs> but uh, that was mostly related to a dinner time that he has in his mind, but no, no one abducted me or smashed yet. So this was good, a success. And we got to, we got to drink. Yeah. <laughs> this is fantastic. All right. Well, thank you for breaking that down for us. And uh, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you.